Round up the usual suspects. It's the movie men back again for a bit more slice of movie action. A bit more slice. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. I don't know, yeah. Thanks for joining us, listeners. And thanks for joining us. Ollie Britton, are you well? I'm good, my man. I'm very good, thank you. Good, yeah. yeah. I've been jobbing. Jobbing? You've lost a lot of weight as well. You're looking, looking in good shape. True. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've been jobbing. Jobbing, tr- jobbing and cycling. Marky Stack, what have you been doing? Um, so I love cycling. <laughs> You've been doing a lot of cycling. Yeah, I don't know why. We need to go and ride. Just went out for a couple of bike rides. It was delightful. You should join me and Toby. It was really, really, really. Toby, yeah. that's a new name on the pod. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Oh, I really can't say his name in public. He hates that. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a gangster. Not as much just... as Tony Harrison is hating his name in public. So much so that he's not here, listeners. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, make up your own mind, as one can say, unfortunately. Tony Harris is not here this week, it's just the three of us. It's a fact, Tony Harris isn't here. So this week for you, we have two films, both directed by Baz Luhrmann, that we're going to be reviewing. The new film is The Great Gatsby, even though we're about ten days old now, because we missed <laughs> last week, because we're useless. And the archive film is Romeo and Juliet. We've also got top fives from Mark. Okay. Uh, Ollie's got his challenge, as ever. hi all. <laughs> and all the usual three fast, three furious nonsense. Nice. So, first gentleman, Baz Luhrmann, who directed both our films this week, had a number one single in 1999 with Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen. <laughs> so what I want to know from you Classic. is what other individuals from the world of film can you think of that have had memorable music careers? Marky Mark, go for it. And um, you can't use Mark Wahlberg. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> there goes. Right. First... Suggestion. Well, I actually was his. I was going to say that Marky Mark is a. Hey, damn, that's a cold ass honky. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your own sound effect. <laughs> he does. I, I he just did. Put the phone okay, out. well, we'll start with Ollie. So. <laughs> oh, what? Marky Mark. Go on, then you go. Go with Marky Mark. Yeah, Marky Mark. You know, um, <laughs> that actually was his one as well. Because <laughs> I ruined it by saying Marky Mark. Who can forget his classic hits? I need money. <laughs> have a. Gotta have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> No mercy. And hey, DJ. It's sort of a cheat answer, though, because he did music before film. But I think people forget that. He also went to jail for blinding his next-door neighbour. Yeah. And he was a new kid on the block, but got kicked out. So he's a hypocrite writing songs like Peace. (laughs) (laughs) And didn't go to jail for blinding my (laughs) neighbour. What a hypocrite. Good. My other one actually is a cold ass. I'm not honking. Oh, okay. Mark. (laughs) (laughs) You can play on your other one if you want. Jamie Foxx, yeah. He sort of has integrity, I think, no. as a singer. That's fair enough. And an actor. Even yeah, though he does singer. a lot of comedy singing, he's a fantastic singer. Go yeah, listen to him on YouTube if you haven't. Mark's that. Um, he's all I've like, got two. Sorry, you go. <laughs> My first one is Will Smith. Oh, good. Oh. Millennium. Millennium. <laughs> so good. <laughs> he's on the beach like, they're all like, hi, Will. So we sip a little something, leave the rest to spill. Me and Charlie at the bar, running up a high bill. Nothing less than ill when we dress to kill. Every time the ladies pass, they be like, hi, Will. Can y'all feel me? So what, um, I don't know that bit. I don't know what the rest he, of the line is. I just like the bit where he just goes, hi, Will. Was he in the Fresh Prince before singing, I'm guessing? Uh, I think he was. He was. No, I think he was a rapper first, then the <laughs> Fresh Prince afterwards. <sighs> That's right. disappointing. One of us is going to be wrong, and I'm sure okay, no one's going to write in. I've got, yeah. a, <laughs> I've got another right. good one, though. Um, Jared Leto. Okay. From 30 Seconds to Mars. He's the lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars. I actually didn't know that. Did you not? I'm not a massive fan, but yeah, Jared Leto's a lead singer, and he's obviously in Fight Club. And well, I was going to go with uh, a bit of Will Smith action myself, oh, okay. but I'm not going too to, late. because you've done it. So uh, I'll go for the next best thing. Eddie Murphy. Yes. Eddie Murphy. He obviously had one massively famous song, which you must know. 
My girl wants to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. Written by Rick James, yeah. Oh, Rick, Rick James. Written by Rick James. That That's amazing. And I'll just finish Mighty Murphy by telling you that the title of his uh, Great Six Convolution album was called All I Fucking Know. How <laughs> could have a great hit? Which um, has a song called Put Your Mouth on Me. Put your mouth on me. <laughs> oh, you know and what track number nine, Boogie in Your Butt. You know what he means there as well. Um, Settle again. I've got one you wouldn't expect. Apparently, Carney Reeves is in a band called Dogstar. Oh, I did actually know yeah, that. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't know. Uh, I love the way the blogger just goes, Dogstar has long been one of the prime examples of a crappy or mediocre rock band <laughs> co- coasting by on the celebrity status of one of its members. Apparently, Weezer opened their first show opening for Dogstar. Weezer? Yeah. You mean Weezer? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've undermined myself. Apparently, <laughs> Weezer. Weezer, super bad. Weezer, yeah. amazing. And I added an, yes. an S before and after the well, Z amazing. in Weezer. <laughs> and is it Weezer? Come full circle with the song Beverly Hills, you know? It's about, Beverly about being a movie star, pretty much. There you go. It has come full circle. There we go. Which Lovely. sounds like another song on, on Eddie Murphy's album. <laughs> <laughs> come full circle, but in, in a sort of disgusting way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to kick off with our new film review, which is The Great Gatsby. came out a couple of weeks ago, directed by Baz Luhrmann, as both of our movies are tonight. I'll give you a lowdown on what happens in The Great Gatsby. Leonardo DiCaprio stars as Jay Gatsby, or Gats to his pals, hmm. a New York bachelor who throws wild parties for the great and good of the city in the mid-1920s. Toby Maguire is Nick Carraway, young writer and next-door neighbour to Gatsby, who gets drawn into this world of excess and glamour through his cousin Daisy. Daisy, played by the stunning Carrie Mulligan, who used to work behind the bar at Three Pigeons in Chelmsford, Peter, just up the road, <laughs> lives, across the, lives across the bay from the pair and is the object of Gatsby's affections. We're watching 3D, and I haven't seen loads of films in 3D, actually. I generally tend to watch 2D because 3D does my nine. Mm. But <laughs> I actually nine. thought that it really added to it. I thought that in terms of the 3D films I've seen, it's probably the best one in terms of that visual aspect. I thought the layering was amazing. They, they, they obviously shot it with that in mind, Holly. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it, how do you justify 3D? And obviously with, like, big action movies or, you know... Because this is this isn't for instance, that. Exactly. Isn't that. It's not a kids' but there's movie, a lot not a big action of, movie. there's a lot of action going on. I mean, in most of the scenes, there's a hell of a lot of action. There is, dancing and... Yeah, and, yeah, and I think, exactly. And I think um, because he's trying to make everything so spectacular and fantastical, the 3D element just adds to that sense of it being bigger than, larger than life. Because I think that's the, in cinema, how do you make something more grand? You make it 3D. And I think he's trying to illustrate how grand these parties were in yeah. the 20s. How much like money and wealth into, the stock market never boomed like that before. There was never that much wealth. You wouldn't have a group of people doing those things. And he, he wanted to show, like... Because now we see champagne bottles, we see big parties. How can he do that in an original way and say it was actually bigger back then? Because I kind of watched it thinking, wow, then you had a party in the 20s. I think that's maybe part of why he did it in 3D. Talking about the parties and stuff there. Um, well, one, one thing... Actually, Mark, I want you to talk to me about this with Baz Luhrmann, right? Why does he feel the need to put loads of rap music in the film? And why is there a scene where there's just a car, people riding dirty, <laughs> pumping out the tunes on a bridge? I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> but he does, it, like... he does it in, he does it in like, Moulin Rouge, for instance. He like 
puts modern music in. Yeah, and yeah. Certainly in, uh, does it work? I, well, the the, the 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 music in Moulin Rouge is different because I mean the songs are like, well, there's obviously that's that's the, the elephant. That's yeah. a they love songs. Then they have like Roxanne, which is about prostitutes. So yeah, they're, they're all they're all really the relevant. Yeah, yeah, and they're like they add to the actual musical. They're they're part of the story. In this film, obviously, that's not really the case. I think the fact that just because it's in the twenties, I know he's trying to make it real, but you know it's the twenties, so it kind of I, I takes like, a little I bit like, away. I love that kind of era of US. I love so do I, and the music is great as well. That's one of the main things: the music and the style and the clothes and everything. I, I it's think amazing because so. he's trying to make it so ostentatious. He knows that if he just played twenties music, it, 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 it wouldn't, wouldn't set enough power, of yeah. a theme. And I think with like Jay Z and a lot of that music, it's big and the big bass lines. But I think he does keep. I, th- I think what he's trying to do is obviously merge um, modernity with the past, which is oh, why in the 20, because it's the 20s era, even in the modern songs, there's little jazz trumpets trickling away and yeah, there's the sax so and the rhythm is, of the yeah. beats. So I actually think he merges it quite intelligently, though I can see why you say maybe it's unnecessary. A lot of people would... I'm a traditionalist, I like my... A lot of people would argue... is separate. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the A lot of people would argue it's a bit sort of, you know, I don't know, crass... Yeah. Well, yeah, they're saying, well, you're not sir, you're, you're not being true to the era at all, yeah. and he's not. Uh, Leo, <laughs> let's go with Leo. Let's go with Leo here. He, amazing. He's so good. He's so good in this. He oh, he's, he's good. He's so good in everything. Yeah. But he can easily go from being this completely cocky, confident individual to this very vulnerable individual in one go. Ollie, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think he, he talk, or he goes from myth to reality. I think part of that is credit to Baz Luhrmann because he simply doesn't film his face. For a long time, mm-hmm. but so I think part of that is just because he sets him up in this way, and the way that Nick Carraway, um, all he knows of him is from what people are telling him. So the idea you're constantly hearing stories sets him up as a myth. But I know what you mean. As his character, when you first see him, it's an incredible moment. I don't want to talk about it because that would be a spoiler. But throughout the film, he does get you see weakness, you see um, humanity, you see the failure. I think he he manages to. To still be charming and brilliant and Gatsby, but yet he, the evolution from Gatsby into a myth into a real person, I think he does it fantastically. That build-up. Do you reckon that, maybe that, the that, character that, found it easier to to be almost a myth, and that's why it was harder? Well, yeah, I mean, in that's terms part of, the film. of his character. Yeah, is is how much yeah. is he that myth? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to. How do you analyse when someone's fantastic? You just find yourself going, "He's amazing. He's amazing." Yeah. One thing, if I could be specific, not to mention a moment, but about DiCaprio is his ability to suddenly change his mood. Mm. is unbelievable uh, because some you, you think to change from happy to mad or from angry to to like aroused in a split second would be ridiculous yet he does it he, it makes it real I can change from angry to aroused pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> I can burn the two um, one last thing I wanted to say before we <coughs> give our ratings here um, I want to talk to you about the American dream because obviously this there's big themes of the, the American dream in the film and I'm reliable on the film the book I haven't read the book yeah, I think right. am I the only one of the three who hasn't read the book I haven't, I haven't read it either, haven't read either. But, Same um, Anton Harris is a lot of people are frustrated with it. Yeah, well, I think the one thing I was going to say is: Does this film actually is it a critique of the American dream, or is it showing the American dream is positive? Because you could you could argue it's a critique of the American dream because he builds this whole thing up and and he has all this amazing largesse, but actually when it comes down to it, he's not he's not in that high society. Or is it saying the American dream is a positive thing because you can work your way up to that thing and you can have this wonderful lifestyle. Well, I think, I think actually, you make a good point about I think it is like the, the whole nouveau rich thing, do you know what I mean? Like someone coming in that isn't from money. And I th- that could be a rela- actually a, a relation to rap music and why that was used because that's a similar sort of story as people yeah, coming true. from a... That's a great point. It's a really uh, good point. A, a poor background. Obviously, a lot of them are African-American. Obviously, Gatsby isn't. 
But there's, uh, there's heavy aspects of the African American in the yeah. movie as well. Yeah, there's some uncomfortable. So yeah, so maybe that's um, you know maybe it's the the new very rich thing is like a it's a it's a positive to the American dream, but it's also negative that it's, it's never really fully accepted by the you know the higher like echelons of society. Well, I think because you can draw, you can look at it both ways. I, I don't <coughs> know about the book, but you could say it's an observation of the American dream. In, in, to, in by living the American... Get off that fence, get splinters in your ass. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to deal with them. <laughs> I've got a large set of varied-sized tweezers. <laughs> fine. No, because I, you look at what he's done, he's achieved, and you say, well, that's the American dream, that's an amazing thing. But like you said, he's sort of living in a twisted reality. And there's the commentary of saying, when you have everything, you have everything but nothing. You know, He's got all this money, all this wealth, and he's constantly pining for something. But it always just seems... Um, far away, you know, no matter how hard he keeps pining. Um, so you could say that even if you have everything, uh, money, wealth doesn't doesn't make you happy. So it's, maybe that's a commentary that Baz Luhrmann is trying to highlight more in this film than in the book. Okay, I'll smash out some ratings. Mark, do you want to start? Uh, no, you start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ollie, do you want to start? Um, yeah, I mean, I think because I haven't read the book, I've got to judge it isolated on how it is as a film. And uh, I thought it was very enjoyable. I thought the way it brought the 20s to life was fantastic. Um, there was purpose in the fact he did that. <coughs> I can imagine my rating might change if I read the Great Gatsby, but as it is, I'm going to give it a 7.75. Okay. Always add it. Um, Mark, do you want to go now or do you want me to go? No, you, uh, I just didn't want to go straight away, so I was trying to think about it. Because um, I, oh, I don't like going by critics, but I read a lot of, um, a lot of stuff from Cannes, like sort of the day... Literally the day it was out, and it was the, obviously the first time people were seeing it, and it was criticised, and I couldn't really get that out of my head, like that it's a bit too much and all that. So I think I'll probably be a bit lower, but it is enjoyable. It does look, it does look great. Some great shots. So I'll go for like a six point three. Right, I'm going to go straight in with this. I haven't seen the book. I haven't seen, I've seen the book. Seen it? I've seen the book. I haven't read the book. I don't care that I haven't read the book. I'm judging this purely on the fact yeah, that the yeah, movie. 100%. Ignoring the fact that there was ever a book, because that's what a lot of the criticism has been. It's oh, not true mm-hmm. to the book, missed a lot of the subtlety. Taking it purely from a from a, a movie perspective, I love the character of Gatsby. I com- I completely bought into the themes of it. I thought the visual aspect was incredible. The 3D worked so well. The dialogue was up and down. There was some odd stuff Baz Luhrmann chose to do, but on the whole, I actually really enjoyed the movie. I'd recommend anyone to go and watch it. I Me think too. it's definitely worthwhile watching. And I'm going to give it an 8.2. Nice. Wow, high. So, overall, <laughs> that gives <laughs> it 7.4. Do, all of, do all of our films end up with about 7.4? I, I think that's good. I think that's fair <laughs> enough. Who is this Gatsby? Do you know him? War hero. Mr. Gatsby doesn't exist. Gatsby? What Gatsby? I'm certainly glad to see you again. Glad to see you as well. Well, in lieu of Tony Harrison's appearance <laughs> this week, who normally does three fast, three furious for us, we're going to do one each in three fast, three furious. Myself, Mark, and Ollie are all going to give it a go. Yeah. Ollie's going to start. I'm pumped. Mark's going to do the second one, and I'm going to finish it off. This could go devastatingly bad. <laughs> okay, I've got, the, I've got the clock. You're going to have to say when. Okay. Okay. Three, two... 
First time as Monsters University, it sees little green Eminem monster Mike and big furry fan of Monster Sully from the film Monsters Inc. during the university days. It's like an animated animal house without the boobs and has a song Party Hard by Andrew WK <laughs> in the trailer. Oh, wow. This is the end of the likes of Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jonah Hill, Danny McBride, all of the really funny guys, Michael Cera. Um, uh, the end of the world is happening. Oh, my God. And they're real. They, they play themselves, not characters. And it's like Pineapple Express with more rapture. Stop. Time. Uh, Machete Kills is the follow-up to the ludicrous action movie Machete. Danny Trejo lays the smack down once again, plus Sofia Vergara, Michelle Rodriguez, and Amber Heard wear barely any clothes. Charlie Sheen is the president of Mel Gibson, oh. probably does loads of anti-Semitic oh. stuff. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, Mark, you didn't talk about Emma Watson turning up wielding an axe yeah. in the trailer. Oh, man, that would make me tongue-tied. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a great line in that trailer. What did you? She, I can't remember who's sitting in the chair. But she <laughs> she comes in and goes, "Give me all your booze." And she's holding an axe on it. You can't rob us, the six of us. Like, Whack Seth Rogen. In the yeah. <laughs> and then and there's just like a video diary guy sitting there and goes, "Hermione came in and stole our <laughs> shit." <laughs> it's Hermione. It's ah, uh, what's his name? Is it Craig Robinson? So what of those oh, movies funny. are you going to watch? This is the end. Definitely, 100%. yeah, hundred. Yeah, 100%. definitely. This. I mean, I would like to watch the monsters. Oh, ha- yeah, as well. I'm not watching Machete but... Kills. That's no, absolutely <laughs> didn't, not. Didn't, didn't. I'd quite like to see some anti semitic stuff. I've but... been really. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking forward to it. Awful yeah. man. This is the end of a long time. <laughs> fair Verona, where we lay our scene, two households, both alike in dignity. Throw your mid-tempered weapon to the ground. From forth the fatal loadings of these two foes, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. A pair of star-crossed lovers take their life. Now we're going back to 1996, and we're going to take a look at Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, 1996, isn't it? Oh, wow. Which was um, the last time Baz Luhrmann and Leonardo DiCaprio did a film together. So that's Romeo and Juliet. Obviously, you don't need much of the story, but I'll tell you anyway. Shakespeare's classic love story gets the Baz Luhrmann treatment in this modern set version of the tale. Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes play the star-crossed lovers from the rival Montague and Capulet families, whose feud threatens the peace of the fictional Verona Beach, as well as the relationship between the youngsters. John Leguizamo features as Juliet's cousin Tybalt, while Pete Postlethwaite provides further support as priest and confidant Father Lawrence, and Harold Perrineau plays Romeo's friend Mercutio. There's some great scenes. I think that, yeah, the first, the first scene... In the in the uh, petrol station, yes, cool scene. I like it. It's um, it's really fast paced. It's got a bit of comedy to it. It introduces the two families. It's it it, it draws tension straight away. But I think the strange thing is, is that at, when you at that first scene, it's quite a a funny thing, isn't it? Even though you hear, you hear about the gangs, like you know, there's murders and stuff between the two families, and yeah. they're portrayed more as gangs, aren't they? Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, it's quite funny, I think, and it has like quite a. Thing and, is, he, and that's what he does a lot through the film. Yeah, it sets the tone of what he's going to do through the film, yeah. how he's going to merge the old with the new. It, it sets yeah. the tone massively for that. Yeah, and it's got a lot of like you know fast pace, you know. How much does Baz Luhrmann love a cityscape? Ah, yeah, Moulin Rouge, cityscapes, Romeo and Juliet, cityscapes, Gatsby, cityscapes all over the place. He loves. But them. they always achieve what they're meant to achieve because the cityscapes in Moulin Rouge are so different to the ones in Romeo and Juliet. Mm. For me, anyway. Okay, yeah. well you've 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 mentioned two. Two of his red curtain trilogy there, Ollie. Mm. Moulin Rouge and Raymond Juliet. The third is Strictly Ballroom. Correct. Um, talk to me a bit about the red curtain trilogy for those who don't know what, what that is. <coughs> yeah, so I think it's self-dubbed, um, the red curtain trilogy, and he sells it as a box set. And obviously it's not a trilogy in the sense of a classic trilogy. Um, yeah, it's not a chronological trilogy. <coughs> no. of Yeah. In fact, it's... One, s- yeah, it's not one story arc. Right? Three, in no. fact, it's, it's sort of one 
or tale or kind of old story that he's portraying in three different ways. Um, and you know, the, the four devices he has is that the fact the audience knows exactly what's going to happen, the fact the storyline is simple and obvious, the fact that the world is created has a heightened sense of reality, and the fourth is that there's a device running through all of them. And you see that, obviously, in Romeo and Juliet. The device is poetry. That's why I choose Shakespeare. Um, it's obvious from the beginning, um, the opening scene is the lady on the TV, the end scene is the lady on TV. It says exactly what's going to happen. The mm -hmm. plot line is obviously very thin. Two lovers from different worlds, they can't be together. It ends in tragedy. Um, and the heightened sense of reality, this is where Lerman um, comes in and, and, and does what he does best. He makes it ridiculous, he makes it unreal, he makes it fantastical by using modern music. By The fact he m merges modern music and, and modern gang setting with old language from the 17, 1600s, um, that I wouldn't say that. Just going back to what you said earlier, I wouldn't say that the plot's thin. I'd say it's linear. No, not yeah, not thin, but simple. Well, yeah. uh, obvious. In terms yeah. of it, it's a story that's been told probably a million times, yeah. isn't it? Like it's exactly, a, you know it. You yeah. all know the story. I mean, you, Shakespeare probably is probably not even original. To and himself, I love the way really, that do you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I love the way that he does it. So, for instance, Romeo and Juliet, they're both the lovers. They're set up so obviously as the lovers. Like, Romeo, when they first see him, he's down by the beach and yeah. he's, like, hurting and in yeah. pain, right? Yeah. And then you've got the fighters. He's big, he's tall, he's holding a gun. You've got the priest. He has a yeah. tattoo of a cross on his back. The symbolism is rife because yeah. it's obvious. The what about when they first meet? What about the, when they first meet? When Romeo and Juliet. 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 He's well, dressed as a knight in shining armour. She's dressed as an angel. Yeah. They see each other... Through the, through, the, through, Actually, the, through the water, through the fish tank, which is always you know I, that separation. That's, you know yeah, yeah. that's that's another great. That's great, scene. and it's and it's blurred. That's the, another great the, scene. The thing is, when they see each other through the water tank, it's that's a blurred vision. When you see through water, do you know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of a blurred, blurred thing. And I think their love is completely blurred. And I think and, that's what he's trying to do. And to sort of say why I think <clears> all these things are so successful, and what are they so? You say, well, what's the point in doing all that? The reason why it captures something beautiful is in although all that's so obvious and symbolic. You don't watch it going, this is obvious, I'm bored. You watch it and it's brilliant. That scene when they meet is, you're so bought into it. So just because it's obvious and just because <coughs> what you know is going to happen doesn't take away from the beauty of it. But um, I thought it was quite interesting, the, uh, the casting, obviously, because they're so young and they look so young and they even look quite similar, do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. uh, DiCaprio and Claire Danes. And then it occurred yeah. to me that um, Claire Danes... Uh, Claire Danes it, was... What's Seventeen, I think, when they made that. That's perfect. Um, the Juliet's fourteen, isn't she? Oh yeah, yeah she's younger. Yeah. Uh, Juliet and Kerry Mulligan. I think they're all really like similar looking yeah, people. Now I don't know if that's something to do. With but there's something to do with youth and love and the way that Greeks and, and, and looked upon that because it's a Greek tale. I think all this stuff comes from old. Do you want to uh, hear? An, do you want to hear quite a funny story about the casting of Juliet in this movie? Yeah, go on. Natalie Portman was initially cast as Juliet, and they got oh, wow. they got as far as production. They were Dark hair. they were in production, and they looked at the earliest few rushes. She was fifteen, and they said it looked as if Leonardo DiCaprio was molesting her. Yeah. So they had to they had to change I mean, the actor. DiCaprio is young, isn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's not that. I think he's 18. nineteen, twenty. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, he does he look so really young. Well, how old young? Like what I love is seventeen years old. No, I think he's thirty nine. Maybe now, so in 20, to, 20, 20, to compare sort of his performance yeah. in the two films, you, you see wild passion in both of them. But the way he's more youthful in Romeo, like he cries so much more. He's always crying. He's like so even when you see the passion, he's matured in how he's like, in his yeah, passion. It's like the classic like first love story, isn't it? It's like yeah. so over. So like, we're getting married tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah, yeah. it. It's happening. One thing I found amazingly insightful about watching the two movies that close together was that you do see how much better DiCaprio is an, is an actor now. You see how much more subtle he is and how much more, like, mature he mm. is as an actor and, like, yeah. all, all, the, all the development he's had. Because, mm. I mean, I know you've got to put, as you, as you say, you've got to put all that passion into it in, the, in, in Romeo and Juliet because it is that love story. But 
you can do that in different ways. Mm. And in Gatsby, he does that in a less <coughs> obvious way. You know, he doesn't just go yeah, understated. Understated, understated. Probably, yeah. yeah. I think I think that you got. Uh, I think the difference is with the characters as well. I mean, he, like, his character is meant to be this like. Yeah. Super enthusiastic, like yeah. young guy who's like all in love for the first time, and also it's like that's what Shakespeare does. Shakespeare, like obviously because of how it's originally written, you they talk about every emotion a ridiculous amount, so mm. it's less subtle. Which obviously the script is gonna be less subtle because it's Shakespeare. So. Let's let's talk about one thing here: um, <coughs> the language, right? So obviously the the lines are taken. <laughs> directly from Shakespeare it's, it's that, that old style of language speaking I'm not ashamed to admit that I found myself not lost at times but yeah, within scenes mm. it's difficult to keep track of the dialogue yeah. now <clears throat> I know you can either go two ways you either go proper modern or do you go with the old language did he hit by doing that is what I want to know well in terms of the Red Curtain trilogy obviously you know that, that his device was poetry but you could ask the question but what's the point you know I, I think you get something different out of the fact that Moulin Rouge is a musical to compare that to with the fact that Romeo and Juliet is poetry. Um, maybe it's because the ending's more tragic, classically, the, the fact they both die. You know, because tragedy, classic, everyone dies. With all the Shakespeare, like Hamlet, everyone dies. Macbeth, everyone dies. Romeo and Juliet, everyone dies. So you could Spoiler argue that... Well, yeah, everyone knows the plot of Romeo and Juliet. Um, and also it says at the beginning, which is one of his devices. The girl on the TV just says, two people are dead. Um, but you so, think the language has... You don't think it matters that people would struggle to follow it? Well, no. No, maybe it does matter, from the point of a commercial, how many people are going to enjoy it. But mm. in terms of him making this film the way he wanted to do it, to serve this purpose... I don't think he. Sh- I think he did the right thing. Well, I think I think you've got to look at you look at it as a film and compare it to endless other films that have been, you know, made remade Shakespeare films, sort of Shakespeare adaptations. It's the most expensive. <coughs> and I mean, it's recently, it's, <laughs> I mean, recently, it's clearly <laughs> it's clearly the most sort of like outstanding in terms of just in terms of people I know that are yeah, like, oh, that's in, a great film. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Whereas, like, a lot of people, you know, especially when we were younger and we went to school. Yeah. And you had to study it. We you watch Ben like, Elton's ah. Much Ado and you're still bored. Whereas <laughs> Lerman's Romeo and Juliet hits the spot. Yeah. Talking about hitting the spot, let's get some rate. Let's get some ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Why the pause? Let's get some ratings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's get some. Okay. Let's get some ratings out of ten. One line because we're savage overrunning, and then tell me what you think, Marky Mark. Um, one line, Shakespeare, but now. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, space, <laughs> in space. Yeah, it it does what it does. It do, it does look really good, and it's a good cast. And I'm gonna go for uh, it's gonna pretty, it's good, but not the best. I'm gonna go for like seven point five. Okay, Ollie. I'm gonna say it serves the Red Curtain trilogy well, and it serves Shakespeare well. Okay. And for those reasons, it does. I think he does a fantastic bang up job, and the performing is. Exquisite. As a man who loves Shakespeare, I adore this film. Eight. Okay. Um, West Side Story, but then. <laughs> no, um, I am in two minds about this because I watched, I saw it what, the first time I saw it. I loved it. Yeah, I'm actually. This time I watched it again. Down. I didn't think it was as good the second time around. I watched it. I wasn't as blown away by all the visual aspects of it. I wasn't as blown away by like Baz Luhrmann's imagination of it. But still, an excellent film. It's probably my favourite of the three on the Red Curtain trilogy. Although I do like Stephen no. Bourne. Yeah, Moulin Rouge. I don't like Moulin Rouge. Seven point seven. Moulin Rouge is a nine. So that M- gives M- it. Oh, go on. Wow. Yeah, what is it? Seven point seven. Seven point seven. 
So I'm scandalous. Upset. You're upset. Uh, you only gave it an A. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta. Ollie's challenge of the week. It's Ollie's challenge of the week. of the week. It's that time. I look forward to this every week. Oliver, what? what's cracking? So, in honour of our, Ooh. in honour of the fantastic actor Leonardo DiCaprio, who does a great job in Gatsby, this challenge is sort of all about um, phrases that he has in his movies. Now, nice. obviously, the one in Gatsby, old sport, which he says about twenty six thousand times, old sport, uh, old, old sport, is uh, is fantastic. So, I've basically picked five quotes by all by Leonardo DiCaprio characters, and you've got to guess what the film is that the quotes in. Well, and the character for a, for a bonus point. If we can get the character. If you can get the character. If he says it's the way of the future, that's how it is. <laughs> the, the way of the future. No, um, the first the one is old sport. No, uh, <laughs> he says it so many times. <laughs> and he says it so weirdly, <laughs> old sport. Um, oh, but also, to throw you off, because I thought the actor in me will sort of say it like the character, I'm going to say them all in the style of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, no. Are you so, serious? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Malkin at the end. Yeah, okay, yeah. so the first one... Well, no, can you do one as a rabbi? What about Augustus Crembe? Oh, yeah, I'll do Augustus, <laughs> Rabbi, Malkin, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, good. Okay, first one. What are you going to do for the fifth one? It's going to be so I'll oh, make it up. First off is Augustus Crembe. <laughs> so racist. Oh dear. <laughs> Sorry, Augustus. Sorry, Augustus. Um, okay, here we go. The only reason you're still alive is because you haven't told anyone where it is. Okay. The second one. Well, extradition between France and the United States is a bureaucratic nightmare. You know that. <laughs> Do that again. I didn't get any of the words. Sorry, okay. It's not a word, it's a noise. <laughs> Extradition between France and the United States is a bureaucratic nightmare. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds like it could easily be a line from an Arnie movie. I know, yeah. Oh, that's really t- I, I don't know that. I think I've got that. It's perfect, the order for, for these quotes. It's yeah, very off perfectly, because this next one is just not a rabbi. Okay, okay here we go. <laughs> it hits you like a thousand knives, stabbing you all over your body. You can't breathe, you can't think. At least not about anything but the pain, which is why I'm not looking forward to jumping in there after you. Okay, um, the fourth one in the style of Christopher Walken. Master McPherson, we are duly appointed federal marshals and we are required to carry our firearms with us at all times. Um, I've got it. If you give me a I've few minutes. Don't so. say anything. And this is like an old, old wise Englishman. <laughs> you sit there with a mass murderer. <laughs> a mass murderer. Your heart rate is jacked. And your hand steady. That's one thing I figured out about myself in prison. My hand does not shake ever. Uh, Should we go through them from one? I okay. can't. I don't know five. I've got to say. So that. a point okay. for the film, a point for the character. Oh, Mark. the character. Okay. Um, oh, I'll do the first time? one. Is that okay? Yeah. First one. Go. Blood Diamond. Correct. What's the character's name? Danny Archer. Correct. Two yes. points. <laughs> Blood Diamond. Danny Archer. Yeah. Good. I didn't write down the character name though. No, no, no. That's no, fine. That's you fine. just said it. It's fine. See. I didn't write down that. I didn't write down the name either. Um. Okay. You go first. Hey, this one. Two. Okay. You got. You got. No. Hold on. Hold on. Because I haven't got it. What was it? What was the quote again? Sorry. Extradition okay. between France and the United States <laughs> is a bureaucratic nightmare. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's something here again. Is it Catch Me If You Can? Wrong. Oh, Mark. Good. Damn, Wait, a chance for a point. Just guess one of his many characters. Um, Danny Archer. No. Um, <laughs> Howard Hughes. No. <laughs> the way of the future. I, I don't know. I actually don't know. Dom Cobb from Inception. Oh no! Did I've got Inception me? down for another one. 
Oh, no. no he's, trying to, he's trying to get from France to America, <laughs> and that's the reason he does the Inception. The uh, only thing that he can give him that he wants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, the third one. Mark, you want to go for this? I'm much worse the than third one. Is the third one Django? No. no. You, get, you get no points. Titanic, Jack. Correct, two points. Ah, it's when she's going to jump in the water. I know. That was a big one. That's so clear. The rabbi threw ah, it. The rabbi threw Goldberg it. Goldberg threw it. He'll do that. <laughs> He'll do that. I can't believe that. Oh, I want to play a game. I'll make you drink Kabbalah. Okay, the fourth one is obviously in the style of Wow. Shutter Island. And and a character name? Um, Detective Inspector Jones. What are you going for? I I didn't have one for four. I had Shutter Island for five, so... um... That's wrong. You're correct in Shutter Island. The character's name was Teddy Daniels, so that's another one point. Okay. You mark any points here? Yeah, I've I've only got three. I've done really badly. The last one in the style of the old... So I'm going to change my number five, because... The last one now in the style of Old English Man, what was that one? Uh, About being in prison and handshaking. Yeah. Is that Catch Me If You Can? Wrong. No, I think it's the um, film. Now I can't remember who. Oh, is it the part? Yes! The character's name. <gasps> None of you get the point because I gave it oh, I, get, I got the yeah, point. No, 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 don't worry. No. I got the point. Yeah, but if I hadn't said. Well, I definitely don't deserve the point. Okay. No, and I knew what, what it was. I, I, I would have got to the name of Character's name for. Um, Come on. Damon Matson. <laughs> Damon Albright. Good joke. Billy Costigan. Oh, nice. So that was all his challenge. Great challenge. I really enjoyed it. How many points did you get? Uh, I got four because I'm taking one for. Uh, I got four. For the two for Blood Diamond, two for Titanic. Oh, I feel we should have sort of a playoff. I don't know Jack's yeah, last can we name. Do a Jack. Ooh, it's Jack. Did he have one? Did he have one? I don't Jack know. Jack Rose. Did. Okay, this, this one could be a buzzer. The way the future. How <laughs> 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 <I'm joking. laughs> um, well, this this week this week you draw. Just oh no! I tell you what. Sports. As the rest of the pod goes on, I'll come up with a final one at the end. Okay. Thank you. Okay, that's a challenge. This challenge, challenge, challenge. Sure. The way the future. The way the future. Boys. Stack the Ripper. Yes. Could you please tell me man. what <laughs> How's that going? Is it going alright? Yeah, yeah so I've just been right. My DJ name. I DJ at parties. Mark, what's going on TV this week? Uh, there's Shout actually. Out. Really. Really slim pickings this week. Really slim pickings. There were yeah. slim pickings uh, last week and you gave us eight movies. They were brilliant. Uh, <laughs> they yeah, were all amazing. All of which were wonderful. This is really bad. Okay, at some point Madagascar is on. Don't know, that's oh, it. That, do you know what I mean? Madagascar. Yeah, it's on BBC Three at seven o'clock. Shut up, I think, shut up. <laughs> I think Sunday night. Yeah, the Asian man in Madagascar. The Asian uh, King Julian. King Julian is shut up, shut up. He's probably my favourite cartoon character of that like, whole... I don't know if it's yeah, Disney yeah. Pixar, but like... No, he's not, it's not Pixar, it's DreamWorks. Yeah, that whole like... You know, that whole style of like... But that's on Sunday, I think so, and I can't remember. Um, but Sunday, <laughs> on it. the channel Watch at 9pm is A Few Good Men, which is a pretty good film. A Few Good Men, yeah, yeah. Worth a watch. And then on Sunday night at nine o'clock, also on Channel Four, is the um, network premiere of Nine, Ooh. featuring Daniel Day Lewis. It was nominated for a hell of a lot of awards, but I don't think it really won anything around the Oscars. No, it didn't. But it was an unnominated. Uh, it could be so wrong. If someone does write it, yes, write us in. Ten Oscars. It won all of them. I'm surprised Daniel Day Lewis didn't win the Oscars. Genu- yeah, yeah. yeah so my, and I, I saw the I saw the advert the other day. That's it, just it the default really position. If Daniel Day Lewis has got a movie out that year, he wins the Oscar. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it, really. There's honestly not a lot on. Have a look though, and send well, send us in. I haven't seen nine, but the other two I movies I really like. I like Few Good Men. Yeah, Few Good Men's good. Madagascar a lot. The penguins are funny. Sorry, we're going, we're going streaking through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! Come on, Snoop! 
We come now to the last part of the pod, which is the top fives. And this week, top five love triangles in movies. Oh, I'm... Yeah, I'm really scared about this. And Mark Stack's doing it. I've missed so many. At five. This is more of a lust triangle. At number five, lust triangle. And you know I had to get them in there. Um, obviously, it's Jurassic fun. Park. No, obviously, it's <laughs> the T Rex and the <laughs> no, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, <laughs> no, um, you know, if it's not Jurassic Park, it's probably going to be from South America. So this <laughs> is actually sorry, Latin America. Eat your mama tambien. Eat your mama tambien. Yeah. The uh, la- the lust triangle. It's a great lust triangle. It is because they're You're so right, young, it's not stupid. Triangle, it's a lust they, they think they're so like. But there's some great lust, lust scenes. Yeah, in there's good thing. lust scenes. They it's apart from what look them up on Daily Motion. Just watch the film, because then you're getting away with yeah, watching murder. it. <laughs> um, no one's judging you at work. At number five. So that's, um, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Crack film. it up. Just having a tell me that. That was number five, is it? Yeah, I'm going to go for number four. Foul. Is with the same actor, Gail Garcia. Oh, now. Okay. Of Are they all well, going to be Gail Garcia? Amoris Peros. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. we've all seen. Have you uh, seen it? Oh, watch it. It's... Unbelievable! He falls if in. Anyone luck. listening, seen it? Please. Mark please doesn't pass. get to do a top five because <laughs> I couldn't think of any good ones. Just three motorcycle diaries. No. Oh, we'll do it. But we'll just release the pod in South America so people um, can enjoy them. No, they must have seen them. Number two. What do you mean? No. No. Number three. <laughs> number three. The Graduate. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. That counts. Good. I'm scared of all my answers. No, no, that's good. At least you didn't do top five robots. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. Which you called top five computers. Computers. (laughs) Number two. This has to be in there because um, this is like your classic and it's in all the lists of everything. So Casablanca, number two. Oh, good, good, good. That's a good And number one, Cal's favourite film of all time. LA LA Confidential. No, your second favourite film of all time. Oh, Back to the Future. My, my actual favourite film of all time, which is... Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. That's fine, is it? Okay. That's the top three, isn't it? Okay. Uh, triangle... Can't, yeah, I suppose so. I suppose what do you so. mean? What do you mean, suppose so? No, it is, it is a triangle. It is a triangle. It is a triangle. Moulin Rouge. Oh, you've made them sound all really because bad. Because society dictates that she should love the Duke. <laughs> no, because she's... Yeah, she no, that is a love triangle. That counts. But no, they're, they're my five. And I think number one solid, is a good one. Solid efforts. I, 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 they're less about the love triangle. My songs remain on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really hard one because I thought, like, <laughs> I was like, I was looking at so many and like I was even going through lists and none of them like jumped out at me. They're all great films, so I just choose like five of my favourite. They were good. Uh, I think the love. Uh, Morris Perez is, is actually really, really good, and yeah. it's got a really good love triangle because the we guy falls it. in love with. You're only his, one Spanish language. With his. Film okay, so I'll just. That's a new that rule. In. Only one Spanish language film. That doesn't uh, mean one. Okay, I think but then by protest, I'll do a top four. <laughs> yeah, my fifth was the Spanish I'll do watch. two. I'll do two at joint five. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ollie, what have you got? You got any ideas? No love triangles. Well, you don't can't think of any love triangles. It's actually no, quite I can't hard. Be working on my tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, I'll give you a love square. No, let me, let me oh, you know, love square. Great yeah, movie. Yeah, but it kind of counts because it's let's call it two separate love triangles. Okay. Both with Brad Pitt in it. Ah. Oh. Legends of the Fall. Oh yeah, yes. love, love everything. square. Love. Five. Three brothers that fall in love with the same girl. The dad loves her. It's love five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no, love, it's not. It's love, love cubed. It's a love hectagon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, I don't Which know. I ben Elton's had, some I had one of those. I had one of those at university. It was very... Um, Scary. I bet. What, I, I did actually. I'm joking. I love hectagon. Love hectagon? Oh, um, classic me bring the, the tone at Bridget Jones. 
Don't be a bitch. Bridget Jones, yeah. yeah don't, cool. be bitch. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a bitch. Love Actually. That's yeah, loads that's about loads. Ten also, that don't be a bitch. The music in that is wonderful. Don't, don't give up, yeah. Pearl Harbor. Oh, oh. <laughs> just get rid the of beach. one of the guys would be a better film. <laughs> the, the beach, the beach is the beach is a good one. That's all the love mess. That's all the love pie. Oh, oh, there's something about Mary. The best. Oh, that's the best. That's in that number five. That's a yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Brett Favre's in that love octagon. It's a ridiculous love octagon. Lee Evans. How did that happen? How did he do that? It's his film debut, a massive success. So, Mark, oh. thank you for the top five. You're we welcome. are going to... Oh, no, it's almost the end of the show. Ollie, Ollie. did you have a tiebreaker? Yeah, I thought I've come up with a tiebreaker whilst we've been going. So this is another Leonardo DiCaprio film. Don't disappoint. A point for the film, a point for the character. Okay. I'm going to do it in the style of a small Asian chaiwala. What? A what? <laughs> chaiwala. What's that? Like a slave that makes the tea in okay. India. <laughs> Really? <laughs> when you kill, when you kill a king, you don't stab him in the dark. You kill him where the entire court can watch him die. How many teas you want? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, no coffee, just tea. Um, try. Are we allowed to just guess until we get it? Yeah, you can guess until you get it. Django. No. Oh, I went first. Uh, uh, I don't even know what he's in anymore. Shit, he's in so many. I've run out of films. Eddie of them. How about if I give you um, Fight Club? Uh, how about if I, if I give you another <laughs> quote from it? If I give you another quote from the film from another character? I'm just naming films. What will it be? Rib or chop? Take his heart. This boy has no heart. Oh, going to New York. Correct. Oh, <laughs> and the yeah. character's name. Such an odd name. His name is Amsterdam Valon. Oh like, yeah, is it yeah, Amsterdam? <laughs> Yeah, good. And, and of course, he kills the, oh, the priest. That's son. such a good film. Isn't Butcher it? Yeah, Butcher. for me, it is better than Pied. Butcher on Show? Oh, yeah, it is. What'll it be? Well, that's all we have for you in this edition of The Movie Men. So, thanks to Mark Stack. You're welcome. Thanks to you, Ollie. Thanks to you. <laughs> oh, so sweet. <laughs> for you guys at home, as I said last week, we'd like to hear some of your suggestions for opening questions, movies to review, and top fives. So if you think you've got an idea, please email us at themoviemen at live.com and follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and all that jazz. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Share. When we put this up on Facebook, <laughs> share the link. <laughs> like it and share it. <laughs> like don't it, comment if it. it's negative. <laughs> but do if it's positive. Yeah. Also, don't send us emails correcting us because we yeah, know we're wrong. We're very aware. <laughs> we're unqualified and misinformed. But uh, please. No, if there's any big corrections, send us. Carl's have to read it. So yeah, yeah you big. can let us know where we've <laughs> So, once again, thanks for listening. I've been Callum O'Toole. And Mama always said life was like a dick in a box. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's not right. <laughs> I really want to listen to those Eddie Murphy tracks. Me too. I want to buy his album. Play one at the end. Well, what, was what was it in your part? Blitzkrieg in, in your butt. Blitzkrieg in your butt. That's the title of a horrible porn film. <laughs> Blitzkrieg in your butt. German. German.